The following program is a paid advertisement. The views reflected on this show are not necessarily the views of ESPN 1000. You mean to tell me that you went home and swiped a ball that was signed by Babe Ruth, and you brought it out here and actually played with it and actually played with it? Yeah! Are you one of those people that has to know how much the Babe Ruth ball is actually worth? I was going to bring it back, but it was signed by Babe Ruth! Yeah, you keep telling me that. Who is she? We'll keep it right here, because today is your lucky day. The Sultan of Clouds. King of Crap. The Colossus of Clouds. The Colossus of Clouds. It's time for Sports Collecting with Tom Morgan, sponsored by ERC Delivery and Huggins and Scott Auctions. The Great Bambino! Happy Saturday morning. I'm Tom Morgan with Vince Clemeni of ERC Delivery, Bill Huggins of Huggins and Scott Auctions, and our producer, Eric Ostrowski. We're on every Saturday morning from 7 to 8 a.m. Central Time. We can... Take your questions if you want to call us, 312-332-3776. If you have an item you think might be valuable, might be worth putting in a Huggins and Scott auction, give us a call. We'll tell you if we think it's worth putting in and try to give you an estimate of what it might sell for in an auction. Later today, we're going to have Witch Ended Higher and Nancy Huggins and John Drummond will be joining us again. So the witch ended higher. I've got some new rules for which ended higher. You can't get a negative in which ended higher. If you're not right, you just get a zero unless you second up on somebody then else. Then you get a minus. Then you get a minus. Got it. Yes. So I think it's we got the rules. We got the thing. And whoever is in last place will pick first. That makes sense. So you two guys can decide who goes first. Well, maybe Eric will go first this week. Okay. Yeah, I was really far off last week, so I'll, I'll take the ace. Yeah, how did I put it? You were the f- you were the farthest worst yes. or something? Yeah, oh, yes. it, was, it was ugly. <laughs> yeah, we'll let you go first. <laughs> well, I've taken in the the Bill Huggins. The I, I see you guys have the dates firmed up now for the fall auction. It's going to be what is it? October second through fifteenth. Yeah, yeah. We finally got a date. We had to get on the calendar of the catalog printer and everything like that yeah that's good i've been taking stuff in already i took in uh early this week a real nice 1970 tops baseball set that i sent in he also had a group of world series programs from about mid 60s to late 70s that were kind of neat Were they filled out or just uh i think uh a couple of them were but mostly they weren't but that had some good ones a 67 Series was real good. It had the 69 Mets win oh, nice. and the 75 World Series. Now, is it more valuable if it's filled out versus just a pristine, typically, brand new Typically, card? I think it is, don't you think, Bill, especially if there was something historic that happened during the game? Yeah, I, I, I think it's almost like a personal preference thing. Yeah. I like them filled out. It tells you kind of what happened that day yep. yeah and just the fact the guy was doing it at the yep, time absolutely that, like that, your postcards from last week yeah, we talked about where you know make yeah. feels authentic and it really you know, does yep. and when you see a, a hundred some year old postmark with the old writing and yeah, the old stamp that's I cool mean, i really do like that a lot it's it, it's a neat thing so anyway in his collection he also had some 50s cards where that makes a nice little lot by itself. There were a few Hall of Famers mixed in, not great condition, but 
through Huggins and Scott, those are really good items to That's send cool. in for. You collected for a lot as a kid in the fifties, didn't you, or early sixties? Not the fifties. Oh, yeah. sorry, sorry. I don't mean to age you too much. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah. I no, misspoke, folks. <laughs> I, we did. We opened packs and stuck them in a shoebox, yeah. or you know, we got cool. once in a while we got a cigar box where I don't know where we got. Nobody smoked cigars. I think like at the candy store they'd give us a cigar sure. box once yeah. in a while, like. I'll give kids, you know, boxes right. once in a while, some of the cool boxes. Cool. But that's pretty much all we did with them and traded them and stuff. Sounds good. We saved some of them, so it was kind of cool. But speaking of old things that I like, one of the things I noticed that was for sale uh, already up at Huggins and Scott was a circa 1948 Toy Town Babe Ruth's official baseball game. Wow. It, when I looked at it, it reminded me of Bop Baseball. Okay? Bop Baseball was a <laughs> game <heard> that <laughs> I had when I was a kid. And then I'm like, wait a minute. What, you know, sometimes you have memories of a kid as a kid that you think, was there really such a thing <laughs> as Bop Baseball? So I looked online last night, and I tweeted it. I find I found Bop Baseball by Remco. Okay, And I cool. tweeted a picture of it. One guy was like, wow, neat. Like one guy. You know? <laughs> but I don't even know how much I actually paid or played that game. We played it some. But I remember finding we used to go to my grandma's house in the summer. And they would buy like our Christmas gifts like in the summer. You know what I mean? So I remember I was upstairs in some second bedroom looking for something, and it was like July. And, and I'm like, you find I the come presents? running downstairs. I go, Bob, baseball's upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what really that's made fun. me that's really, cool. I think, more than anything, remember it, that there had to have been. And, and then when I found it and put the picture up, it's like, that's it. That's, that's cool. the one. That's, that's cool. it. Nice grandparents you had there. I yeah, like that. Yeah. 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 That was, <laughs> that was fun. I'll tell you. Then that's where we used to, we would always, when we'd stay there in the summer, we'd go, they had a candy store and they had this little grocery store that we always got baseball cards at. Now, was that Naperville area? No, it was in Aurora. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, cool. So we would walk to one of those places and, you know, we'd have, oh boy, we got a nickel, you know, and get a pack. <laughs> wow. How times have changed, huh? Play baseball all day long. Yep, and yeah. We did the same. Yeah, so that's the way it was. All right, now let's see here. What else are we going to talk about? There was also in, uh, this was kind of neat. I can't wait to see the picture of this one, Bill. The picture's not up yet. It's a 1953-54 Briggs meets Hank Bauer panel. It says with hot dog border. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I haven't never seen that that type of card. It's got a with a hot dog border. That is that like a short print with the hot dogs, Bill? Or <laughs> well, that's actually the way the back of the panel came. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, you know the the uh, they they came two on a panel on the back of a uh, oh. pack of hot dogs. And okay. And it was the two players and then hot dogs around them. And if I'm not mistaken, Hank Bauer came with Mickey Mantle. Oh, Ooh. wow. Really? Nice combo. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure he did. I think we've had, we've had a panel years ago. and uh, But to see it with all the hot dogs around it is, is pretty cool. And actually, the, the collectors of those cards are 
you know, intrigued by those to no end, only because you just rarely, rarely ever see them because the kids cut them right down to the to the borders when you saw them. You know? Yeah, I can imagine that. That that's pretty cool. I I, I really do want to see that when they, when that's the cool. some of the pictures are up already on the auction items, but uh, some haven't gotten up there yet. So, all right, let's some yeah, other. Yeah, they're th- working on it. Yeah, well, well, that's yeah. They at the you got already some good stuff in there. Like we'll keep talking the rest of the show, mix in some of the things that are up already. Some pretty neat stuff, and then we have some finished items from the May auction. In addition to the ones that will be in which ended higher, there's some other things. There was uh, now this is something interesting. I had never heard of this guy, NHL Hall of Famer Frank. Nibor, N-I-G-H-B-O-R, I think that's how you pronounce it. 1931-32, final signed contract. Nibor was the first to win the Lady Bing Trophy. Oh, really? In what year? Uh, this contract was 30, uh, 1935, I'll say. 25. Oh, 25. Yeah, his final contract was 31. Ah, that gotcha. one. This was his final contract. So 1925 was the first Lady Bing Trophy. He won it. The contract was for $4,000. So you know what's oh. coming up now. What? Uh, 1931, $4,000 <laughs> $4, between you two guys. <laughs> okay. I... We'll have a prize. If anybody gets within $1,000 of what that's worth in 2020, <laughs> what I'll bring in a free pack for you next week. All right. So what was the contract? You said 4000 It was 4000 $4, in 1931. What? In what's what four thousand dollars in in twenty twenty right. money? Eric, you want to take a stab at it? I'll take a wild guess. I'll say thirty one thousand. Oh, God, wow. that's a lot. Actually, I was going to say thirty two thousand, wow. so I'm going to go with thirty two. Uh, <laughs> neither one of you is even close. Bill, <laughs> Bill, Bill is Nancy there? You need Nancy yeah, to get here. the Nancy. What do you think? Well, let's see. I think I'm going to defer to Allison. So here's Alice. Okay. I'm going to go 64,000. Oh, now she she almost won. Almost won. 67,472 in 2020. That's a great guess. So she does win closest, but she doesn't win a pack. Wow. Well, that's what happens when you're when you're uh, recently graduated college student. So. <laughs> yeah, I figure she'd be the smartest of the group. Yeah, she showed us. <laughs> now is she the one that has the friend that's that's the wheelchair racer? Yes. Yeah. Tatiana McFadden. Yeah, that's right. What a great story. I guess they canceled the Chicago Marathon this year, you know, because of COVID. So that that's too bad. That's gonna cost a lot of money to the city that's yeah. for sure it's always an awful day for parking down here so i'm not overly upset about no, it no from that standpoint <laughs> even like yeah like the day before is, the whole weekend is, everything really shut down bad. yeah i remember last year i wasn't expecting it to be closed and all of a sudden i that was the day where i was like i'm not i circled around <laughs> so many times i'm not sure where my car is <laughs> is that the marathon that was going on when we had the show and yeah. on state street so we can watch the whole yeah. people going by that was kind of fun well the big one is on sunday okay and so when we did sundays it was you had to park like way away and yeah. walk here to but now they had a, a smaller one i guess on the saturday that isn't that small really and the people running by it is yeah, pretty neat. It's kind of cool yeah. to do a show and watch people walking by, running by, and yeah. waving. And yeah, it, that was it cool. Is neat. Yep. 
Eating my donut, watching them go by. Yeah, absolutely. I don't yeah. mind it one bit. Look at those guys are in real good shape. Where's the donuts? <laughs> Without a doubt. Okay, now let's see some other things. Here's, uh, I always like Roberto Clemente stuff. Here's a Roberto Clemente signed, framed, cut signature. Ooh. And it had a 1972 NLCS Game five ticket stub. I guess that's the last game he ever played. Was that? Is, yeah, that right. must be right. Yeah. yeah. What would you think that went for? Uh, cut signature. Is it graded in any way or any um, grade on it? I, I think just authenticated. I'm going to say about 3000 1300 Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Babe Ruth used to go for about three grand, I yeah. think. Clemente stuff is get is up there. Yep. Yeah, but uh, not not that high. Well, we'll keep moving it up, folks. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. You do have a Clemente. I have a whole bunch of stuff. That's yeah, good. Yeah. I, I like Clemente stuff too. That's some nice artists, some framed, you know, oh, yeah. some really large frame That's stuff neat. as well. So yeah. original artwork. I'm looking. Roberto Clemente is obviously an incredibly interesting story. Yeah. I was trying to see if there's like a big, well-known documentary about him. There was one that PBS did about 15 years ago, but there hasn't been anything newer. I'm surprised, especially with all the docs coming out, that there hasn't been a good one highlighting him. It would be a great one. There's a lot of people who don't know his awesome story. Yeah, and tragic. He died a hero. Absolutely, because he was he was going on a like a mission. Bringing supplies to a earthquake uh, in Nicaragua, I think yeah. it was. Yes, yeah. correct. Yeah, he yeah. literally died a hero, which, and he was a great player. You know, he he played in Forbes Field, which was in a ridiculously long fences yeah. in the power alleys in center field. He had tremendous oh. power. He hit a home run that went out of Wrigley Field just to the left field side of the scoreboard. Yeah, I mean, he had that crazy. kind of power, yeah. but he wasn't really a home run hitter because of the park. He would hit it to all fields and get a ton of doubles and triples and stuff. Just watching him run, throw, and just play Running, is just oh amazing. My God. Absolutely he was, amazing. He was one of the most exciting players ever, Absolutely. without a doubt. And I, so, he, I mean, to me, he'll always have really good value just that whole story and you're right eric that would be a fantastic documentary i remember watching him play and my dad would take me and my brothers there and he'd be like you know your uncle's playing right field vince right and i was just a kid so i'm thinking okay oh he's i'm related to this guy and so uncle roberto i remember feeling the thought that he was family oh he used to kill the cubs he'd make such great plays in the outfield and he had such an accurate powerful arm amazing he literally could have his back turned to the infield get a one hop in the corner and like turn around and one hop a throw to third base it was just like right there 71 world series against baltimore from right field and he almost got the guy out but i mean it was how can he throw it that far so quick that 71 series if you want to watch one guy do everything that in a him. series. He yep. did it in that series. And he was, was MVP. Really incredible. Yeah. Yep. Well, we're already up to the first break here. Now, the number is 312-332-3776. If you have an item you'd like to know the value of, uh, give us a call, and we'll try to tell you if it's worth putting in a Huggins and Scott auction or if it is, what it might sell for. After the break, now John Drummond and Nancy Huggins will be joining us, and we'll have which ended higher. So hang in there. We'll be right back. Now back to sports collecting with Tom Morgan. 
sponsored by ERCDelivery.com and Huggins and Scott Auctions on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back. I'm Tom Morgan with Vince Clemeni of ERC Delivery, Bill Huggins of Huggins and Scott Auctions, and our producer, Eric Ostrowski. You can call us 312-332-3776 if you have an item you think might be valuable. You want us to give you an first tell you if it might be worth putting in a Huggins and Scott auction and if it is what it might sell for and now we have Nancy Huggins and John Drummond joining us longtime Chicago newsman John Drummond are you there John we sure are hey good to hear from you again now John the first item that we're going to list in which ended higher has both Jack Nicholas and Arnold Palmer signed Augusta scorecards. Did you ever have a chance to interview either of those guys? Yes, I've interviewed both Palmer and uh, oh, and, uh, Palmer okay. and uh, Nicholas and me. I guess it, to turn the clock back, if you give me a minute here at the time back, people, some of your younger uh, listeners don't recall how that Palmer, uh, player, and Jack Nicholas were called the big three back in that era. They seemed to win most of the tournaments, and the amount of, the amount of, uh, of popularity these guys had for golf was incredible. I'll give you an example. In 1957, Palmer, who at that time was not a big name, he hadn't even won his Masters. He was playing in the Tamashanter tournament over at, in Niles, Illinois, Tamashanter Country Club. Oh. I was with a young lady. She saw Palmer. She was just fixed by, who is that? <laughs> what a cutie. In other words, he, his... his uh, Personality, his something about it, how charismatic he was would across the state line with the lines, whether it was on women or men, and of course he became a big star. But I want to point out the difference between he and Nicholas because Palmer was not accessible like Nicholas was. I covered in 1963. Palmer was playing an exhibition match at the Freeport Country Club. I went over there. I was working at Channel 13 at that time to get an interview with Palmer. We got there early as we were requested by the people from Freeport. Uh, Arnold had not arrived on the scene yet, but there was Mark McCormick, who I'd never met in my life before, but he became the first sports agent of any of these guys. And McCormick mm. was there representing Palmer. Mm. And I pointed, they said, you got to talk to this guy first. And McCormick made it look like, oh, I was asking for a, a, an interview with, with, with Stalin or Putin or something like that. But he finally <laughs> agreed to it. Palmer comes into the clubhouse, and they had a, di- a luncheon for him there. And I thought the King of England, or I should say, I thought it was like MacArthur coming back from Japan. The amount of crowd, the crowd stood and must have cheered for two, two to three minutes. You're it was kidding. unbelievable. Oh, wow. Palmer finally consented to the interview, but it was very perfunctory. It was only, as, as I told McCormick, I said, you get your man down here, sit him down. It'll take two minutes and 30 seconds because that's all the film I got the camera. <laughs> so he sat him down. But again, the interview didn't go uh, that particularly well. He, uh, Palmer went through the uh, the session, seemed somewhat bored by it. On the other hand, I interviewed Jack Nicholas twice under similar conditions. Once at the Mactown Country Club in Rockton, Mactown Public Course in Rockton, Illinois, right after he'd beaten Palmer in the 1962 U.S. Open at Oak he was very accessible. Came up to him before, yeah, what do you need when I give you this? And bang, two years later, by this time, Nicholas had eclipsed Palmer by 64. Yeah. I interviewed him again. This time it was in Beloit, either the Beloit Country Club or the Beloit Municipal Course. We went even to the locker room. He said, what can I do for you? I said, I, said, I know you're rushed. You're trying to get, you've got to go off in this exhibition. No, no, we'll wait. We'll, let's get this interview out of the way, whatever you need. And he was very accessible, wow. very pleasant. Not that Palmer wasn't pleasant in that sense, but of the two, 
uh, Nicholas by far more accommodating. And that's what you got to remember, uh, ladies and gentlemen, listening to watching these guys on television when I'm being interviewed by the network. Of course, they're going to be uh, cooperating with network, whether it's the butler cabin at the Masters or wherever it is. But you get in the tank towns and they judge a guy's character and a lot more when they when he's not speaking to a mass audience like that. You know, it's funny because it, I would have thought the exact opposite, yeah. that Palmer would have been more jovial and easier to get with and Nicholas would have been more standoffish. So that's really interesting. That's good to hear. Well, that's what he, that's what I was surprised at, too, because Palmer was very much of an extrovert. There's no question yeah. about it. He loved the, yeah. uh, the fandom. He loved people coming around, but he was a, a different guy that day. Nicholas, on two occasions, I indicate, wow. right when wow. he was in his prime, was very, very accommodating, very, very pleasant. There was a difference between the two men. He still has the record for the most major wins, too, Jack Nicholas. Yes, yep. he does, and yeah. I think that's going to hold for a while. <laughs> yeah, seems so. So he does the Memorial Golf Tournament that's going on right now. It, it, did he design that course? I don't, well, he designed some courses. I know that. Yeah. He is, at least his name was fixed as an yeah. architect. I'm not sure whether he did Muirfield or not. I, I really don't know. That course, okay. Muirfield is his hometown. He's from Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. And that's where that course is located in a suburb there. So I'm not sure to say. He certainly has an awful lot to do. Had a lot to do with that tournament. There's no question. I about think it. I heard just recently that he had something to do with the design of that. Course. I think it I, could yeah. be because so. they they were talking on on during the tournament that he was talking about moving some creeks around yep, yep, and stuff, yep. trying to make it harder or whatever. He came out this week and said that the golf ball should be adjusted so that they don't hit it so far. You know, Shambo's been hitting... Well, they played They played last week at that course, another yep. tournament, but it was yep. not set up as tough as it's supposedly going to be this week. So yeah. We'll find out. Yeah, We'll see. Well, it's time. <laughs> John and Nancy, I was telling Eric and Vince that we do have a little bit of a, a change in the rules. You cannot get a negative if you're not right. You just don't get a point. Oh, yeah, so the right. leaders going into week two, John and Nancy each have one point. Eric and Vince, zero. The only way you can get a negative if, let's say, Vince picks an item, you pick that item, same item, and it's wrong, then the second person yeah. gets a negative. So Eric doesn't get a minus four for last week's no, last Eric, place finish? Eric was actually thinking <laughs> of being the third person on the one that turned out to be uh, right. You know okay. how many people during the week would be like, tell me they got it right or wrong? I, I had know, a guy call from California that said he got it wrong. <laughs> the new rule definitely got in my head. Yeah. It definitely <laughs> did, and they paid price for it. Yeah, yeah. See, now who's going to be first on, on picking? I, I said I gave Eric the Eric's option. Eric's going to be so. first. So then it'll be Eric, Vince, and then we'll do ladies first. Nancy and then John. Okay, Sounds that's good. how we'll do it. The first item Jack Nicholas and Arnold Palmer, a lot of two signed Augusta scorecards. Second item 1940 Playball, Ted Williams card number 27, graded PSA 5. So on a scale of 1 to 10, it's a 5, which on an older card, that's a nice looking card. 1941 Playball, Joe DeMarco. Joe DiMaggio, card number 71, PSA 4. And the fourth item, 1963 Pete Rose rookie card, number 537, graded PSA 5. So, Eric, which ended higher of those four items? Oh, okay. Um, Solely for it being the rookie card, I'm going to go with the Pete Rose rookie card. Eric says Pete Rose rookie. Vince. Well, it's it's kind of tough here. I really want to go with the Arnold Palmer and Jack Nicholas just because of uh, 
just this week and all that. But uh, I'm going to go with the 41 Joe DiMaggio. 41 Joe DiMaggio. Okay, Nancy. My consultant here, Allison. <laughs> okay. Gannett, and she says, number one, Arnold Palmer and Jack Nicholson. Okay, the two signed scorecards. And that leaves John Drummond. Are you going to double up on somebody or are you going to take the one nobody's picked? Well, I'm going to take. Yeah, I think I'll be there. Why? No, I've got to. Go, I'm going to go. I've 1941 card. Williams 406 that year. I have to go with Ted Williams. Other than or that, would have gone with DiMaggio. But I'll okay. Take so the 40 play ball, Ted Williams. It's a 1940 play ball. Oh, it's 40, not 41. Yeah, 41 okay, well, was J- Joe DiMaggio. DiMaggio's was 50. Was 41 correct? Yeah. I'll take Joe D because he set okay, the record. Okay, so you're year. going up with yeah, Vince John and I the other together. one with yep. that. Okay. Let's go to farthest from first. <laughs> As he looks at Eric. He looked directly at me. Sorry, <laughs> Nancy. Oh. <laughs> you guys are farthest from first. $400 for the two scorecards. And they, at least we get zero. You get zero. You don't get a negative. <laughs> okay, the second worst item. The 40 play ball Ted Williams went for $700. The second best item, Pete Rose rookie ah, card. There we okay. go. So that means John and Vince uh, each yes. get a point. All right. And and John oh Drummond God. switching in midstream, going uh. from Williams to DiMaggio. <laughs> John Drummond, what do you think would their stats would have been if Joe DiMaggio had been a Red Sox player and Ted Williams had been at the short porch in Yankee Stadium? Ted Williams, Ted Williams more because of the because of the porch. Yeah, they, they, they I think trade. how many yeah. home runs and if yeah. he hadn't oh, missed so Lord. much time yeah. for for it was Korea in World yeah. War Two. Yep. Yeah, yeah. But well, I'll tell you this much: I I'm dating myself again here, but I remember this, the, 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 the 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 hitting streak of DiMaggio, and you pick up the paper the next morning because that's how you heard you about really it. You really do remember that? Oh, yes, wow. I certainly do. And because and, a friend of mine was a big DiMaggio guy, and I was a Williams guy, and so we used to argue a lot. And I have to pick up the paper every day. Joe gets, Joe D gets another hit, and so <laughs> I'd eat crow for a while <laughs> yeah, on cool. that one. My dad always loved Ted Williams. Always thought he was the best hitter ever. He, he that I still have. I have a Ted Williams above my desk at home. Yeah. A Ted Williams where Upper Deck did a thing where it was yeah. the cover of Sports Illustrated that he's uh, kneeling in the on-deck circle Very and he nice. signed it yeah. in a frame oh thing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty neat thing. It's awesome. So what well, did the DiMaggio go for? What was the final price? The DiMaggio price of, uh... went for 1100 yeah. Pete Rose, eight fifty. Ted Williams seven hundred and the two scorecards four hundred. Cool. Yeah. The, the two scorecards should get a, a a bonus though for having the good John Drummond story with it. Well, it's your show, Todd. You <laughs> can can do I mention one thing? It's nothing to do with any of those guys. Yeah. But I mentioned being the Freeport. Tried to beat this for for it uh, for for a mascot's name. The Freeport High School team when I was there was known as the Pretzels. That's a pretty interesting name. I had to top that one. Oh, that, that, that's a hard well, one to that, top. Oh, so yeah. that means that Nancy gets a half a point then, right? Uh, no. <laughs> Good try, but no. Okay, John Drummond, thanks for joining us next week. We'll talk to you again. We you already, I have we'll a have feeling it's, it's right. going to be a good story next week. Oh, okay, right. Thanks I'll for joining you. us, John. All right. Now, we got a uh, T Crown Thomas, my Twitter ID, so, so you can tweet pictures of items to my attention. And Rob Shaggy tweeted this Bill Huggins, what do you think of this one? It's a brought to it's great moments in Cubs history card brought to you by Aunt Millie's bread. (laughs) 
Theo Epstein is pictured outside of Wrigley Field on it and signed by Theo Epstein. I think that's got to be at least $100, don't you think? This is a recent item within yeah, it, the last five or ten years. I would yeah. say it looks, I'm guessing it was after the World Series championship that they made this. Yeah. I think you're right on there. You know, yeah. it, it, is it numbered or is it? No, I think it's just one of those cards that he happened to see Theo and got it signed by him. Oh, okay. That'd be yeah. a good one to get in a holder and grade the thing. Yeah. And, yeah, nice yeah. bold signature. It says, Cubs welcome Theo Epstein on the Wrigley Field, you know, whatever you call that, the marquee. Where yeah, they, right, right. Uh, speaking of marquee, I wonder how that marquee network's doing. It can't be exactly rolling right now. Do they even have that available on Comcast yet? <laughs> I don't know. I Not yet. Nope. So the games start, what, Thursday or yeah, Friday? Yeah, the, the latest on, like, Thursday, the GM, like the head of Marquee, said, basically posturing, saying Comcast would be crazy if they didn't have us, if they want to be a TV dish. So, like, they're negotiating. Doesn't sound like very well negotiating, but they have hopes that Chicago Land will get it on Xfinity soon. Unbelievable. Oh. That, <laughs> well, I guess, you know, at least the White Sox are going to be exciting to watch oh, this year. A lot of young so, talent. If nothing else, even if they don't make the playoffs, if they – well, first off, will they be able to play the whole 60 games? Who knows? But if they do play the whole 60 games – just to watch Luis Robert and all these guys, you know, the lineup. And now Kopech won't be there, but the young pitching, yeah. the, the whole thing, it's just going to be entertaining Mankata to watch. Mankata and Anderson Eloy. Yeah. And, that's a, I won't call him Robert. That's uh, a Robert. deep lineup. Yeah, I mean, sure. it really is. And, and their speed and power mixed in. Is so, Madrigal going to, I don't know the pronunciation of Nick Mad- Madrigal? Yeah, is he going to? I don't know if he's going to make it or not. They have another guy that could play second and... uh I, I think they want to make sure he's ready. He might not make it right gotcha. off the bat. But that guy's got young some talent. speed. Yeah. Did I, I think I told you this. I saw it last year, I guess it was. I think it was in AAA. They showed him hit an inside-the-park home run. And you know how, like, typically a guy hits an inside-the-park home run. They By the time they get to home plate, they basically, you've got to get a stretcher out to get him <laughs> into the dugout. He... Slides into in a home. I think he might have been a head first, like hand jumps up and runs into the oh, dugout. It's cool. like, oh my god, this guy's oh. in, in shape, and he can fly. Sounds like a perfect leadoff type of hitter. You yeah, know, he just can fly if he can get on yep. base a lot. You know, good second baseman. Awesome. So it's time for another short break. Here, the numbers three one two three three two three seven seven six. We're on till eight. If you have an item you think might be valuable. Worth sending in to Huggins and Scott Auctions. Let us know, and we'll try to give an idea of what it might sell for in an auction. So hang in there. We'll be right back. Now back to Sports Collecting with Tom Morgan. Welcome back. I'm Tom Morgan with Vince Clemente. (laughs) (laughs) And we've got the... (laughs) Sorry, folks. Vince Clemente of ERC Delivery, (laughs) Bill Huggins of Huggins and Scott Auctions, and our producer, Eric Ostrowski. We're on till late. Talking about the value of collectibles. If you have an item, you can tweet a picture to my attention. T Crown Tom is my Twitter ID, or call us 312 332 3776. We were talking about Ted Williams earlier. I had that signed photo. Here's one that's in the sent in for the Huggins and Scott fall auction. Bidding goes, I, I think it's October 2nd through 15. 
Ted Williams signed photo in uniform, it looks like pre-game, with a female that <laughs> in the description it said they think it might have been his first wife, but they're not 100% sure. <laughs> He's got kind of a lecherous look on his face, so I don't know who it was. And then signed on the back, this is kind of an unusual combo. You got Ted Williams signed the photo on the front. On the back, Elston Howard, Mickey Mantle, and Whitey Ford all signed the back of it's it. It's an interesting combo. Yeah, it really with is. With Mickey on there, obviously, that yeah. adds a bunch of value. Elston Howard's a good signature, too. He didn't sign a ton, and and he died at a relatively yep. young age, Elston Howard. So that's kind of a neat item. Now, they have a lot of really old vintage cards in Huggins and Scott. Now, this is really old. 1884, (laughs) Old Judge, N172, Fred Carroll, PSA 6. That might be the only graded of that card, if I'm reading it right. He played eight seasons from 1884 to 1891. Catcher outfield first base, 162 game average, 284 with a 136 OPS plus. So he was a well above average player. Died in 1904 at the age of 40. Played mainly for Pittsburgh. So that was kind of wow. interesting. Okay, now that that brings me to another quiz. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we're talking about postal things, sure. postmarks, yes. collectible postcards. In what decade did the post office begin commemorative stamps? So in what decade? So like right now it's the 2020s. In what decade did they begin commemorative stamps? I thought it had something to do with them trying to generate some money. So maybe they're trying to generate money for some type of a war. So that would be probably World War One or World War Two. But stamps, I don't know that they go back to World War One. I'm going to say the 40s. I'm, I'm actually with him with the 40s. I was thinking World War Two. Maybe it was like yeah. like the campaign to get women to work and stuff like that to help right. something like yeah, that. Yeah. So I was thinking it would also be some sort of thing around the war. Okay. Bill well, Huggins, actually, is, is your crew in on this? Um, they actually left, but okay. I would almost think the 30s. Okay. Well, you would you would all be incorrect. <laughs> the 1890s. Oh my! Really? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that wow. something? I, as a matter of fact, I think one of my postcards might have had a commemorative stamp. Really? On it. Yeah. Wow. From well, what's the nice 1900s. though is Eric and I both agreed on one thing. There. It was in, you in guys kind of a nice very, soft way. That, yeah, I like that. Very agreeable well, and, and yeah. Short lived. Let's go yeah. back to the other way. <laughs> <laughs> now, Mickey Mantle. There was a Mickey Mantle PSA 4 1951 Bowman rookie card. Ooh. PSA 4 sold for $9,900 wow. in the Huggins. Boy, those Very nice. Bill, is the high grade of vintage stuff going as crazy hot as the high grade as some of the newer guys like the Jordans, the LeBrons, the uh, Steph Currys, all that type stuff? I think so, yeah. The isn't the, the card market is really doing well. Yeah, no, and 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 it's the you know the higher grade stuff is actually pulling up some of the mid grade stuff along with it. You know, yeah, that that go, happens. Yeah, you can't get the if you can't get the higher grade. Well, they'll settle for something a little less with a, for a lot less money though. Right, and then figuring you know. 
once they are they really get into the bidding on something, if they lose, it's like, well, I want that card. Yeah, right, you know? right, so, right. Yeah. Somebody sent me, I sent in some items for somebody, and then he sent me a thing. He goes, he was looking at PSA, and he, it was a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar 86 FLIR sticker in a PSA 10. He goes, did one of these actually sell for $15,000? And it was like, wow. And, and like, why? It's like, well, I looked it up. I forget. It was a real small percentage of that card. Get PSA 10s. And then you get those set collectors and registry collectors that they want to be the highest ones if they're a cream yep. collector or an 86 FLIR set and they're trying to get the best sets. There were, I think there was only something like 14 10s or something wow. like that of that card. I mean, Bill, those 86 FLIR basketball stickers are really tough to get 10s on. Oh, yeah, probably tougher than the card. Yeah, it seems like they yeah. were always askew like on the back and just, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a wow. really tough 10. So, And there's some... Big money guys have definitely joined the collecting club over the last few years that are really into some of this stuff. Well, and I, I think they were the last, they were always the bottom card yes. in the past, so they always had wax stains on them. That's true, which which right there, it makes it next to impossible. Then, okay, I got I to gotta <laughs> talk about this. The, a big thing that's coming out this week for Bulls fans is why is Jim Boylan still the coach? To me, there can be only one reason. It's not that they're going to keep him as the coach. There's two guys that are assistant coaches that I think the Bulls would be very interested. One guy I've been tweeting about for a long time that I thought he'd be really good as the Bulls coach is Adrian Griffin. He's, I think, the lead assistant for the Raptors. They're obviously going to be in the playoffs. Other guy who came up later that the more I, I read about him, it's like, this This looks like this guy would be really good, too. I think you pronounce it Ime Udoka. Ime Udoka. He's a 76ers assistant. He's 42. Adrian Griffin's 46. I want one of those guys to be the coach, but they can't hire them right now. So they're probably thinking, you know, we if we're going to do this bubble thing, we will keep boiling on until the keep end of the on, year. Keep yeah. them doing the practicing if they do it, whatever they do, until they can hire the guy that they want. If it's one of those two guys, either one, I'm 100% happy. If Boylan ends up somehow being the coach 2021 when the season starts in – December or whatever, that to me just takes the whole luster off all this new yeah. management and everything. What about those two I, guys do you think they're going to bring to the table that's a step in the right direction? Just a, a, a ton of different things. First off... Respect from players around the yes, league to start. Yeah. The problem is without the Bulls holding Boylan and not doing anything is both those guys have interviewed four jobs. The Knicks Correct. just interviewed the guy from the 76 yes. So like if they sit on their hands, they may lose out on yeah. actually getting these yeah. guys. Except I don't think they, they can't can make deals Hopefully they've already yeah. talked to them both and they're ready to go on one of them. You, you, would, you would surely hope. It, everybody was so excited, the management, what they've done, the GM they hired. Everybody has been excited about everything. Boylan can't be there. Boylan yeah. was horrible. Yeah. 
I mean, there's no other way to You need the right leader it. in place to bring those kids and, he, and he compete. He doesn't know when to call a timeout. The offense was terrible. The players didn't seem to have respect for him. If you were a free agent, are you going to go, is Boylan going to, oh, yeah, I want to go play for Boylan? No. Either one of these guys would be great guys. When Adrian Griffin was with the Bulls, he was just a natural leader, a great guy, and he was a leader on that team, and he was like a, you know, not a bottom of the bench, but he wasn't a, a key guy player but he was a leader yeah. that's the type of guy you want and can attract free agents the new management team will be able to but you got to have the right coach with them so that's what my soapbox on that i had to say something well. about that I, I it can't be boiling <laughs> boiling maybe he's a good guy he'd probably be a good assistant somewhere else not here but not the leader a, we need not not the head coach that you want no not without a doubt now, have you been to any restaurants like in, and eaten in? No, restaurants? just carry out. Just, We're still doing the know, pickup, and we tip up. really yeah. well. Like, yeah. the, like they're like it's a regular waiter. But I miss things like this. <laughs> <laughs> like we had the one time we had the waiter in Chicago when Pinella was manager of the Cubs, and we were doing. My oldest son, my wife and I used to. My sons both at the time lived in Chicago in different spots, and we'd come down every couple of months and buy them steaks, and you know we'd eat downtown. Well, my oldest son was doing his Lou Pinella impression, <laughs> kind of like Edward G. Robinson. <laughs> yeah, see, you know, it was like because nobody could do a Lou Pinella. So the waiter comes up and he goes, "What are you guys doing?" He goes, "We're trying to do a Lou Pinella impression." He just kind of shakes his head. Then he goes and he, you know, we ordered drinks or whatever. Comes back with the drinks. When he comes back with the drinks, he's like, "Yeah, see, like he did, he did his Lupinella impression." It. And we were like, oh, "Edward G, that's what it sounded like." But then we had another one recently, right before COVID. One of our last trips to the restaurant, uh, <laughs> the waiter never brought like an appetizer that we had ordered and we get the check and and it's like you know just so you know everything was great but you know make sure you take off the appetizer because we never got it but everything was great besides that he goes oh yeah (laughs) just think how good it would have been if you'd have gotten your appetizer (laughs) (laughs) okay it's good to be a jovial waiter but i don't know you want to do that right (laughs) yeah just think if i had brought you your food (laughs) it would have really been good (laughs) you're playing a baseball game you're not playing tiddlywinks yeah i mean there is competition for god's sake Wow, Eric, that was a really good impression. Great that sounded exactly. <laughs> See, now, have, you, have you ever heard anybody do a Pinella impression that was any good? I don't think I ever not, have. Not well, I feel no, like. No, no, it's just always grumpy old guys yeah. when it comes off yeah. as. Yeah, right. That's right. Well, some other items that are in for the Huggins and Scott auction. Bidding begins in early October. Pete Maravich group of 13 cards, 1970 to 81 with a PSA 8 rookie card. I like these combos. 1939 World Series program and ticket stub combo. A game one stub. Uh, This is weird. Vince, would you bid on this one? (laughs) I, I don't know that you've ever had one of these, Bill. A 1940s to 1970s. 
Andy Frayne Usher cap. <laughs> you could get it and wear it to the show, Vince. You think? Uh, I'm no? not sure. No. Maybe if I lose some more hair, maybe I will. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, let's see. This is kind of cool. A lot of nine 1933 Gaudi Hall of Fame PSA graded cards with some of the Hall of Famers Carl Hubble, a three, Bill Terry, a 3.5. Eddie Collins, 3.5. Al Simmons, 3. Two Joe Cronins. Those are always good. I mean, get the yeah. threes and fours from the 30s. Those that's are That's nice. Uh, what's some other items? A Barack Obama signed and framed 8x10 photo. 1951 Topps Redbacks complete 52-card set. That's got Barron, Rizzuto, Hodges, Monty Irvin, rookie in there. Those... those Come out very often in good shape, Bill. The fifty-two tops Redbacks. Um, well, they're, they're the Redbacks and the Bluebacks. The Redbacks are much easier to get than the Bluebacks, but uh, it, they are tough to get in nice shape. They because it was a game. Yeah, and people, the kids played the game, and and actually, a lot of times they got creased or bent or you know things like that. So kind of like that sixty-eight tops game. I used to have yeah, some I mean, of those cards. They, they are tougher to find in real nice shape, yeah. So that was basically Topps' first try at cards, and then they went to the 52 regular Topps set. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so those are kind of interesting. Yep. I mean, it's not a bad thing to get. Well, we're already at the end of another show. I'd like to thank Eric Ostrowski, the producer, Vince Clemeni, ERC Delivery, and Bill Huggins, Huggins and Scott Auctions. Now, don't forget to hang in there, the rebroadcast of The Odds Couple with Mike North and Carmen DeFalco. What's on at 9, then, is, Eric? Is that uh, Fred Hubner and Jeff Meller. I thought that, I like that combo. Yep. They're on 9 to 11, right? That's, 9 to noon. 9 to noon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're really good when I'm at T-Crown. I hear them a lot. So we're on every Saturday now, 7 to 8. Thanks for tuning in, and tune in again next week. Have a great week, everybody. <laughs>